the Lord say amen. 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 Good to see you here this morning. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord. I want to, well, actually the title of my message is simply, it's time to cleanse the temple. And my text is from Matthew chapter 21. If you'd like to follow along, I'm going to read a number of verses from 1 to 17. Uh, so follow with me if you will. I think they'll have that on the screen. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. Now, try, try to get this in more modern terms. What if Jesus were to say to you this morning, um, I want you, Brother Charles, to go with the pastor, and I uh, want you guys to go over to the food line. There's a Mercedes sitting over there. Somebody left the keys in it. You just open the door, get in. And bring it to me. If anybody says anything, you just tell them the Lord has need of it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I would really want to be sure the Lord said do that bef bef before I did it. Uh, I wonder if maybe these two disciples, when Jesus said, go get me some transportation, and he gave them these specific instructions, I'm wondering if they didn't kind of swallow hard there for a minute but, but it happened exactly like Jesus said it would. Now, you can find this in other Gospels. Matthew records it, but so do the other Gospels. And um, you, Matthew doesn't tell the details like some of the others do because they did ask, the, what are you doing? And, and I imagine, can you imagine the guy that owns a Mercedes seeing it? What do you think you're doing, boy? You know? But uh, they said, the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need. Now listen, don't try this. Don't, don't try this just because you heard it on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm telling you, the Lord told them to do that. And so uh, let, let, me, let me continue to read uh, here as, uh, as we go along. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. He's quoting from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the roads. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. By the way, they're speaking exactly what the psalmist said they would do hundreds of years before in Psalms 118.26. Don't you love it when you can go through the scriptures and find these messianic prophecies being fulfilled identical, every I dotted, every T crossed, exactly like Jesus said they would be. Let's continue reading verse 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? 
So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God, and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, but have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. I'm talking about cleansing the temple. Now, I want you to understand that the, the, this passage that I just read to you is typically read on Palm Sunday. Uh, and I know this is not Palm Sunday, but um, I wanted to read the whole of that so you could get it all in context. I'm not going to focus in on the first part, the hosannas and so forth. That's the Palm Sunday story. But I do want to focus in on that cleansing of the temple. Now, the cleansing of the temple was actually a daily chore. However, there were people that were assigned to take care of the daily routine of cleansing the temple. In fact, a whole tribe in Israel was given the responsibility of taking care of the house of God. They were called the Levites. And uh, they were the tribe of Levi. And their job, their assignment, their career, their calling, their ministry was to the house of God. They took care of it. So Jesus did not cleanse the temple because there was dust on the table or dirt on the floor. Uh, no, it's talking about something entirely different. The scripture talking about the cleansing here is dealing with things that had come into the temple that should not have been there. Temple cleansing you can find a number of times in Scripture. You can go all the way back to the second book of Chronicles uh, and find in chapter 24 that young King Josiah or Joash cleansed the temple of God. Later on, you read about um, Ezra in the year of, uh, or in the time of Nehemiah's rebuilding of the walls. Um, he got some things out of the temple that should not have been there, the cleansing of the temple. Now, if I just talk to you about, and I could go through the scripture and, and give you the historical event of numerous cleansings of the temple. If I, if I just preach that to you this morning, you would leave here with just uh, perhaps a little more historical knowledge uh, than you had when you came in. But that's not the purpose of this message. You didn't come this morning just to hear a history lesson, although there's a lot of history in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are 12 whole books that are called history books. They're just giving you the history of, uh, of the people of God. And it's good to know but God did not put those 12 history books in his Bible just so you would understand history. But instead, he gave us everything that we have in the Old Testament. At least this is what the New Testament tells us. He gave us those things as examples so we could look and see 
how God deals with his people, how they respond, their successes, their failures, so that having that understanding, you and I might profit from that. By profit, I mean it could save us some heartache so that we don't repeat the mistakes that they made. And it could also help us to see how we could advance more quickly because we see how God works and have a greater understanding of that. So this morning, I want to take this incident. It is an actual incident that happened in the life of Jesus. It is a historical fact. However, I want to remind you that under the New Testament and the new covenant that we have with God, God's dwelling place is not just in some building somewhere. That's what the temple was. It was the place where they came to meet with God. God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. Before that, he dwelt in a tabernacle. But in the new covenant today, I want you to get this. If you miss everything else I say, you're going to need this point right here. We are the temple, the dwelling place of the presence, the manifest presence of God in our day. Make sure your neighbor gets that. Turn and tell them, say, you're the temple of God. Now, you might want to say, well, preacher, where did you come up with that? Let me show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version so you'll get every detail. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you're not your own property, You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then, honor and glorify God with your body. God is in this place today. I sensed him during our worship, didn't you? But it's not because we have this building It's because you are here. We're here together. The Spirit of God is dwelling inside of you. You are now the temple of God. So when I talk to you this morning about cleansing the temple, I want you to take it very personal. I want you to make the application. I'm talking to you about cleansing this temple in which the presence of God dwells. Do we have that? Well, let's go forward. Take the example of Jesus, what he did, why he did it, and the benefits thereof. First of all, when Jesus came into the temple, he purified it. In other words, he cast out those things that shouldn't be there. Let me read again from verse 12 from my text. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. What had happened was there were things that had been allowed to come into the house of God that God was not pleased with. They should not have been there. And so Jesus makes sure that they're 
They extracted from the house of God. Get them out of here. They don't belong here. Is it wrong to sell anything in the house of God? No, not necessarily. But here's what had happened. The priests were taking advantage of the people and profiting unlawfully from the folks in their merchandising in the house of God. They, they, had, they had literally made it a, a horrible place. In fact, it, it, we'll read in a few minutes where Jesus said, you made it like a den of thieves. He said, you bunch of rogues. You here's, here's the deal. You, you remember under the old covenant, when you came to God, you had to bring a sacrifice with you. Under the new covenant, praise God, our sacrifice is praise. How many of you rather praise God than drag a lamb in here and have me slay it? Amen. Yeah, you better believe it. We're under a better covenant. But under the old covenant, they had to bring a sacrifice. It could be a lamb. It could be a ram. It could be a bullock. It could be a, a dove. It could be a pigeon, a turtle. Many different kind of animals and fowls they brought in as a sacrifice. Now, that wasn't any problem for folks who lived in Jerusalem. But what about the folks that lived a long ways away? Let, let's pretend, for example, that we were under that old covenant. Those of you who live in Augusta, especially right around the Evans and, and Martinez area, um, it, you, you know, you didn't have to leave very early to get here this morning. You're, you're close by. If, if we were under the old covenant, you wouldn't have to bring a sacrifice very far. But those of you who live in Thompson, how would you like to... How would you like to attend New Hope, live in Thompson, and have to bring a lamb all the way from Thompson to New Hope this morning without a car or a bullock? Imagine that. <laughs> can't, you, can't you see uh, what's these people doing dragging this, this, this big old cow down the interstate from from Thompson. Well, we're going to New Hope this morning. We've got to take our sacrifice with us. Now, that would, that would be difficult. So, here's what the priest would do is say, we'll make a deal with you. We'll have some animals right here. You don't have to bring one all the way from Thompson. We've got some right here. And, and uh, you just come on in and we'll sell you one. And then you can offer the sacrifice. So, they were selling. However, they were cheating the people. Because God had some requirements for these sacrifices, because these sacrifices are representing something. And they're, they're supposed to be pure. They're supposed to be the best. They're supposed to be the firstlings of the flock. And these priests, were they, were they were buying on the black market a bunch of inferior animals, and they were selling them at, a, at, at retail price to the people. They were stealing from the very people that had come to the temple to worship. God said, I'm not pleased with that. That sacrifice is a stench in my nostrils. And I'm not pleased with the priest who do it. And so Jesus said, there's some stuff in the temple that we need to get out here. And so Jesus proceeds to get it out. He purifies the house. Now, how does that apply to us? Listen to me this morning, church. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just trying to be your pastor this morning. We can get, we can, we can focus so much attention on the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God. And I believe in every bit of that. 
with all of my heart. But if we're not careful, we will focus so much on that that we forget that our God is also a holy God. And, and, and our objective, our purpose as Christians should be to be more like him. And he said, be holy even as I am holy. And I know you don't hear sanctification preached on very often. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you and I, when I point out here, i got three fingers pointing back here. So I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching to us. We need to take inventory. We, we need to check up every once in a while. We need to take a walk through this temple where we invite the presence of God to dwell. And when stuff gets in there that God's not pleased with, we need to let God cleanse the temple. You say, well, preacher, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to dirty up the temple of God on purpose. No, I, I'm not saying that you're out here, you, you know, just trying to live like the devil all week long and come in and, and worship on Sunday. No, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying this, when you get your feelings hurt, or when something happens to you that, that, that upsets you, and there's an enemy out there that's looking for an opportunity to catch you at a weak moment and get a little bitterness in there, and throw a little envy in there, throw a little jealousy here and there, throw a little resentment here and there. And, and before you know it, there's stuff in this temple that shouldn't be there. And, and God wants us to have a clean temple. He, he wants to dwell in a holy house. He wants to dwell in a, in a house that's been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that's been cleansed and cleaned. That, that's where he wants to dwell. Let, let me read it to you from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Glory to God. Remember Paul said we were purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews then says, look, seeing all these faithful people that have gone before us, that's what that therefore means as it begins the chapter. Therefore, look back at chapter 11, the faith chapter of the Bible, and look at all that great cloud of witnesses that we have. By the way, this morning, we, 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 we all are so blessed. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. I, I look over here and see my friend. We've known each other since way back in the 60s, Reverend Harold Jones. We went to Lee together way, way back there. But Brother Harold would be just as quick to tell you as I am, we, our generation was blessed to stand on the shoulders of the generations before us and the sacrifices of the preachers that have gone ahead of us. And hopefully the generations that are coming on will be able to do the same thing with us and, and take up where we leave off and go on to greater things with the Lord. We're blessed. And Paul said, looking at all of these blessings that we have, the purchased precious blood of Jesus and the faithful sacrifices of those who've gone before us, we ought to be determined that we're not going to drop the baton at our 
turn in the race, but we're going to run with patience. We're going to lay aside every weight and get rid of any sin that would ensnare us, and we're going to look to Jesus and head on down the racetrack until we finish this course with joy. That's what he wants us to do. By the way, let me tell you something this morning. When I talk about sanctification and cleansing and, and cleansing the temple and washing and making sure that we stay clean, I'm, I'm not telling you these things to hurt you this morning. I'm telling you these things to bless you. The reason the Lord wants the temple clean is for your good and for his glory. Don't you just love it? When you've had a hard day and you've really been working, maybe it's been in your yard or maybe it's on your job or whatever, but you've, you've been perspiring, boy, you've been giving it your all and, and you've gotten dirty. There's nothing like getting a, a good hot bath. Boy, turn that shower on and, and, uh, and let, let, the, let the hot water just roll and, and, and get clean, just squeaky clean. Boy, you shampoo your hair till it squeaks when you run your fingers through it. And, and, and you just feel so clean and so refreshed. And, now, I know kids may not like that, but, but, but the older you get, the more you, you just, there's nothing like just being real good and clean. Well, I want to tell you, you can be that clean on the inside. Amen. And it feels just as good. In fact, I think it feels better when there is no condemnation, when there's no regret, when there's no sin, when there's no, you, you just clean before the Lord as the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you sense his presence. Praise God. So the first thing he did, he purified it. He got rid of what shouldn't be there, but then he brought in what should be there. Here's the problem. When you allow stuff in that shouldn't be there, Things that should be there tend to move out. You ever notice when you get slack, careless, start picking up feelings you shouldn't have, maybe saying some things you shouldn't say, acting like you shouldn't act, that your prayer life kind of goes out the window? You, you know, the two just don't go together real good. It's hard to misbehave and pray at the same time. So Jesus, when he cleansed it, when he got the stuff out that shouldn't be there, verse 13 said, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. He's quoting from Isaiah 56 and 7 and also Jeremiah 7 and 11. So when you, when you allow the Lord to cleanse you, your prayer life flourishes again. There's just something about getting clean. It just makes you feel like talking to the Lord a whole lot more. Amen. Let me, let me put this in, in human terms. When, uh, when, you're, when you're all crossed up with your wife, you know, and she said, do something and you didn't do it or ask you not to do something and you did do it. You just don't enjoy talking to her as much as you do when everything is clean and clear and the atmosphere is good. Boy, then you can just fellowship. 
The Lord wants a personal relationship with us, folks. He wants to commune with us in prayer. Third thing that happened when Jesus cleansed the temple. First, he purified it. Secondly, he brought back prayer. And thirdly, the power came. Look at verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Praise God. Can I tell you this morning that, that healing and uh, prayer, uh, power and, and, and victory and all of these things, these, these, are, are, these are benefits to having a cleansed temple. When you, when you get it good and clean and your fellowship's restored and you're praying and seeking the Lord, boy, something will happen. The power of God will show up. Jesus said, you'll be endued with power from on high. I love that, don't you? How many of you like that power? I'm talking about power to overcome the devil. I'm talking about power to walk in victory. I'm talking about power, glory to God, to cast out devils, to rebuke the enemy, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death without fear and wind up on the other mountaintop with victory in your soul. The power comes when you get the temple clean. The power of God is there. And the fourth and final thing, and I'll close with this one. When you, get, when you cleanse the temple, you get it pure, and you restore your prayer life, and the power of God comes back in your life where you, you're walking in victory again. There'll be perfected praise. Look at verse 15 and 16, verses 15 and 16. But the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. And have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Jesus is quoting here from Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8 starts out like this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Glory to God, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may still the enemy and the avenger. Now, Jesus said, out of the mouth of babes and infant, nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Psalms 8 reads, you have ordained strength. That bothered me for a long time. Because did, did Jesus misquote the word? Absolutely not. And Jesus couldn't misquote the word. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the living Word. So there's no possible way He could misquote the Word. Although there's a difference in the reading from the 1611 King James English when they translated the the, the uh, Greek into English from, from the term that Jesus used over here in Matthew, both of them from the, the original English version of the Bible, 
perfected strength. So I got to study and I said, Some, something, I need better understanding on this. And, and then the Holy Spirit helped me to realize that perfected, perfected praise brings strength. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, so, there, so it's right. In fact, somebody came to me after the first service and said, let me show it to you in the Septuagint. And the Septuagint actually had, which is the Greek translation from the Hebrew, it says perfected praise. So Jesus was way ahead of me on that one. It took me 60, 70 years before I figured it out. Jesus had it when he first said it. But what I'm telling you this morning is church, when we get to that point where, our, where when our heart is clean and our prayer life is restored and the power of God is present and it, it will immediately begin to evoke praise out of us. And as we praise and worship God, we get stronger and stronger and stronger in our walk, our walk with him. Spiritual strength, ordained strength, because in a perfected praise, glory to God. How many of you this morning would, would just like to have so much strength you could just walk through a troop and jump over a wall? Amen. That's what David did. That's what he said anyway. He said, I, I just feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Boy, that strength. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you are weak this morning because you're not doing enough praise. Amen. Kick your praise up another notch. Start praising the Lord. Glory to God. There's something about getting your hands up like antennas until the glory of heaven strikes them like lightning from on high. And the power of God infuses your soul. Hallelujah. You just get stronger and stronger. You get to the place after a while, you feel like you could charge hell with a water pistol. Amen. Boy, you can, you can, you get where you can go. You get, you, you get, you get where you can run out like David. He's just a little old boy. That's a nine foot giant. He said, come on, boy. I'm going to feed your carcass to the buzzards before this day's over. Where in the world did he come up with that kind? He'd been praising the Lord. He'd been over there playing that, play, playing that instrument, whatever it was, harp or whatever it was he was playing. He'd been praising the Lord. He'd been praising, oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He'd been praising God. He praised God so much he defeated an army. Amen. He praised God so much that he came back in. They said, Saul killed his thousands. But look at that little kid, David. He's killed his tens of thousands. Glory to God. Hell ought to tremble when you walk clean and holy before God, anointed with his power and his spirit, blessed by the glory of his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. It's time to cleanse the temple. It's time to cleanse the temple. I, I, want, the, I want the prayer team to, to just begin finding your way into the, into the altar to join us. I'm going I'm to take some time for us to pray this morning. I, I just feel like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is touching some hearts that want to be clean, want to be pure, want to be holy before God. Glory to God. You know, Jesus could come today. This world's in a mess, but we're of another world. I don't know about you, but 
when Jesus comes and I got the choice between the two worlds, I want to go to his. Amen. Amen. Let the Democrats and the Republicans have this one. I want the kingdom of God. Amen. Let them fight and squabble with the Antichrist all they want to. I want to be with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to be with Jesus. Many years ago, there was a Congress on Religion in Chicago, big mass audience or auditorium, and they, the audience was big. They had invited people from all over the world, leaders of all the religions of the world. I mean, they were there, a mixture of everything you could think of. And they'd been going for a day and had a lot of magnificent speeches from different world leaders and on religions that the Hindus were there, the Buddhists were there, the Zionists were there, the, the uh, Zintos were there, and the, the, the Muslims were there. You name it, all the religions were, they were there. And they were, they were all giving their flowery speeches about how great their religion was. At the beginning of the second morning session, Dr. Joseph Cook was opening and he said, I want everybody's attention. So he had the attention of all these religious leaders from all over the world. And he said, gentlemen, I have a problem this morning. I have a lady who has come here seeking for some answers. She needs some help. She feels like she, she's, she feels like she's hopeless. She's, she's committed a sin and she feels like that she just don't know what to do with it. She can't, the guilt is driving her crazy. She's actually murdered somebody. She can't get the blood off of her hands. Is there anybody here that can help her? And the whole auditorium went silent. And he repeated the situation that there's a woman here who wants to be free from this sin. She wants the blood off of her hands. She wants, she wants her mind at ease. She wants to find peace. There was a long silence. Dr. Cook looked up at the sky and he said, John, answer this woman. And he said, 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Glory to God. And just two verses later, John says again, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Glory to God. I'm here to tell you this morning, you can get your temple clean. Amen. Amen. And when he washes your sins away, they're gone. And he can wash away the guilt. He can wash away the, the stain. He can wash it all away. And you can experience that freedom 
that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, that peace that passes all understanding when you come to him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And this morning he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. While the heads are bowed, I want to give you an opportunity to pray before you leave today. This altar's open from one end to the other. If you want somebody to pray with you and help you, there are people here that will be glad to. Others may just want to find a place. But if you'll say this morning, preacher, I'll just be honest. I, I've just, I've allowed some stuff. You know, the enemy's been trying to throw his dirt in my temple. I've got some feelings there that I shouldn't have. I've got some attitudes that have manifest themselves that I realize are not Christ-like. Got some thoughts about people that I shouldn't have. I, I, just, I just need to cleanse my temple this morning. I want to come get a good Holy Ghost spiritual bath on the inside of my heart. I just, I just want to come to Jesus. Maybe you've never come to Jesus and you'd like to come and repent of your sins this morning. Invite him in as your Savior. Or maybe you're in that place where you've been serving the Lord, but you, you, you just hadn't. It's just been a while since you've really looked inside. And you say, Preacher, I just be, there's some stuff I need to get out. And I'm going to get it out this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get it out this morning. I'm a, I don't care who's beside me, behind me, in front of me, around me, or anything else. That's none of nobody's business. It's between God and me. And I, I'm just going to take advantage of the opportunity this morning just to come, just, just to make sure. Maybe you just want to come for a checkup this morning. Just make sure everything's clean. But the altar's open from the front to the back, from the balconies to the front seat. I want you to, I want you to come as you feel, if you feel like you'd like to pray. Cleanse the temple this morning.